radio home of Carson Wentz, Carter Hart, and Joel Embiid. 97.3 ESPN, WENJ, WENJHD, Millville, Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, talking NBA with D-Ray, Daryl Reynolds from the 2016 National Champion Villanova Wildcats, host of the Processed Podcast, where uh, you can check that out. D-Ray and Hunter Brody, when's that drop? Well, right now we're waiting because we want to see some scrimmage games. Normally it's Monday, Thursday, but we're going to do some changing around because now games are starting to come back. Tomorrow. Yeah. Got a game tomorrow. I know we do. 3.30, right here on 97.3 ESPN. Let's uh, get D-Ray's thoughts. We had some games last night, and uh, let's start with that. You know, What did you think of the actual gameplay and the presentation that we saw in the Orlando bubble last night? Uh, to start with the presentation, I think it was great. I think they did a much better job than people expected. You know, you kind of heard whispers of kind of the same look that the TBT had had with the banners in the back and Everybody was real interested to see what happened with the fans, but I think it was great. As far as the game, I mean, some guys, they got some rust to shake off. But you didn't like the I Brooklyn think, Nets? <laughs> yeah. They were a tough watch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Some people, it's just going to take a minute to get their legs back. But, hey, man, the NBA is back, so... You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, look, it was what it was last night. You're going to get a couple of these games before the season actually starts in uh, two yeah. weeks from now. But, uh, you know, one of the things, it seems that the Sixers will play tomorrow and we'll get our first chance. But uh, I think they have been one of the more intriguing things. But it's almost like, you know, how do you read this team? It's like put up or shut up time for this team. It's like what do they have, you know, um, what do they have another gear in them that we saw from the regular season? I guess is what everybody wants to know. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. I don't see how this team stays together without that. I think it's no secret that at this point everybody's kind of under a microscope between Ben Simmons and his postseason play, Joel and B just following through on his word and being consistent with it. And obviously, there's a slew of people that want Brett Brown's head on a stake. So it's like between those three guys kind of being under touch of microscope, it it kind of envelopes the entire team. So I'm hoping they have another gear. I honestly think that that change with Benson going to the four, like I said before, is like the best thing they've done in a while and Shake Milton kind of being that half-court point, half point guard. But I, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised, shall I say, um, when they step out there tomorrow. It's going to be a little rusty at first. I don't see it. You know, they go out there and look like the Miami Heat in 2012. But I think they're going to be clicking at a different level. They got something to prove. Brett mentioned Joel Embiid was not on the floor with Al Horford at all during these practices. So if he does play that 35 to 38 minute range, that only gives Al somewhere between 10 and 13 minutes. Is that enough? Yeah, yeah. I I, I honestly think it is. I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to punch a clock at 38 and be like, all right, we have to take him out. I think it's going to vary, but... You know, Al Horford being in that 10 to 20 minute range to me is not the worst thing. Like I've said before, I, I love Al Horford. I love his, uh, his kind of presence in the locker room. You know, you heard talks this week of Kyle Quinn being kind of that Udonis Haslam type character where he's not the biggest rotation guy, but he's a huge presence in the locker room, a huge presence with the younger guys. 
I thought Al Horford would be that. But I feel like between that role and really just going out there and his 10 to 15 minutes just being a microwave for defense and offense like he can be, I feel like with certain guys, you draw back their minutes, you up their production. And Al Horford's not, you know, he's not exactly the youngest guy out there anymore. So I feel like he's at that stage in his career. Now, he's kind of downplayed his concerns about his role going forward. Uh, but, you know, he was he said that he hadn't talked to Brett Brown on whether he and Embiid would share the court together. But um, is the best move for the Sixers to kind of uh, limit Horford's minutes? Do you think that makes sense? I mean, here's a guy that they paid big money to kind of be the difference-making player. Now, all of a sudden, it seems that the plan is to kind of get away from using him. I mean, I, I got to be realistic. I, I've said it before, you know, on other shows. I got to be real. Like, I think they overpaid him. I think they're starting to realize that. They really realize through this season. But, like, they, they overpaid him. To me, the whole point of getting him was to get him off the Celtics and to get somebody to kind of mentor this younger team, but specifically Joel Embiid. And then they gave him that much money. I'm not an upstairs guy. I don't know how they made that decision. But I feel like they overpaid him for what they really wanted him for. I don't ever think that he really fit in this scheme. Like, you have a team where, let's call it what it is, you know, Ben Simmons has moved to the four, quote-unquote, now, but he's still the true point guard. Like, your best player plays in transition. You know what I mean? Your big man plays inside and out equally. Like, it's just not – it just doesn't seem like a good scheme of basketball for Al Horford through and through. But like I said, for stretches of the game, for him to just go in there and be a microwave on both sides of the floor, I feel like that's going to – that's when you get the most use out of him, and that's when you really get his value uh, completely used. You mentioned Ben Simmons, and we've been asking a lot of our guests. Gil and I have a bet over under four and a half three-pointers for Ben Simmons just to take in the eight-game regular season. Do you go over? Do you go under? Uh, I'm going over. I'm sorry. I, I don't see how he doesn't at least take one a game. I'm, I'm going over. I, I got him clocking out at about seven or eight three. Wow. About a, yeah. Now, what yeah. has you convinced that he is finally able to kind of shake this? I mean, I'm not convinced yet, but I'm saying that he's going to do all these practices we're seeing and everything. And like, me and Rose have talked about it in the sense of, all right, is the media kind of pushing him to do this? Is the team media pushing him to do this? It really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the footage is out there. He knows about it. He's answered questions on it, saying he's going to shoot in Orlando. And I feel like, if anything, these are, this is the time to kind of get the, ah, I guess you say, jitters out. So, you know, he's going to throw up a couple shots. And I'm really hoping he shoots them with a clear mind, but to do that, you got to take a few, which is why I'm going with over five. Well, if, sure. if if the first game goes by and you don't see any, would you start getting nervous? A little, a little. I, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. A, a little bit. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I well, feel as if game one. What about tomorrow's? We're game? gonna know. Well, do if, these I, scrimmage I, I, I games matter? Do these scrimmage games matter in your thought on that? Yes, yes. Because the more he shoots and the more comfortable he's still shooting it, the better it's going to be when it actually counts. You know what I mean? You can't practice, 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 and then, you know, don't do it in a game and then expect to do it in a big moment. So I feel like to be ready for that big moment, he's going to – and not saying they're going to give him the ball when it's time to get a three at the end of the game, but to be ready for the bigger moment, shall I say, you got to kind of just take him when it, it seems to mean nothing, like a scrimmage game. Yeah, I, I would be very disappointed if in one of – if these scrimmage games, you're looking at it and it's the same – style where he's bringing the ball up, getting to the foul line, turning his back, looking around and that but I would be pretty I'll see what you think, D-Ray. Would you be pretty surprised if that's what we saw from him even if he doesn't shoot a three? That if they use him in the offense the same way. 
I would be shocked. At that point, I would I would lose a lot. No, no, no this, this is why. After all these promises between Joel and B saying how good they got, uh, Tobias Harris and different guys, you know, I'm pretty sure Josh Richardson was another guy who said they were going to go out there and, you know, things have been chippy in practice combined with Ben Simmons saying he's going to shoot them and the clips from practice. If the combination of all that equals it looking exactly the same, I'm shocked. And as a fan, I'm pissed. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I want to see at all. But like I said, between Brett saying what he did, Joel saying what he did, Ben kind of doubling down on that and the team's atmosphere and just energy they've had around them, I can't see it looking the same almost at all. Let's switch gears a little bit to the leadership side of things. I'm amazed by how much Tobias Harris has stepped up when it comes to all of these issues going around in the world. And it seems like he found the way that he can be vocal the best in between a Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, who are the quote-unquote superstars of this team. So talk about Tobias Harris's ability to step up and be a different type of leader on this team and how important that is. Uh, I hate to keep comparing it, but it's the, it's the freshest one in my mind as far as like the team that did it. But when I think of the Warriors, if I had to peg Tobias Harris as anybody, it would kind of be a, a pseudo Sean Livingston, you know, Andre Iguodala type of fix where you have a guy who he's not necessarily known as the most vocal leader, but it's no, you know, uh, misinterpreting that his teammates look up to him for several reasons. A guy who's seen enough basketball a little bit more than Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, quite frankly. And he just seems like a well-rounded individual. And that kind of translates to who he is on the court. So I feel like his leadership is going to be a huge part of it. Probably at the end of it, it'll be one of the things that's a little unheralded and it won't be as talked about as, you know, John Bede having a big breakthrough or Brett Brown making a coaching change that finally gets people off his back or things like that or Ben Simmons shooting a three in crunch time. You know what I mean? Like those will be some of the bigger stories, but I feel like his leadership is one of the things that is really going to take this team over the top now, when it comes down to it. Now, D-Ray, do you think that the Sixers and Brett Brown to some extent have put some pressure on uh, ben Simmons, you know, by putting videos of him shooting and then basically Brown said, what, last uh, Friday or so that, hey, he shot more threes in Orlando than he had in practice the whole year. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think they put a little pressure on him. I don't know if it was any malice behind that pressure. This thing is good pressure, but, you know, pressure is pressure. And them, like you said, putting out those videos, Brett Brown saying those comments to the media just outright – uh, you know, and candidly, I, I feel like they definitely put a little pressure on them. But like I said before, this team is at a point where I feel like that pressure is good for them. All of them kind of need pressure. You know what I mean? You you work a little different when you got something on your back like that. So I'm, I'm hoping that pressure makes them show up. Yeah, the way I see it now is I'm going to give him one mess up. And what I mean by that is if he gets to a spot on the floor and you think to yourself after, damn, he should have shot that one, that's his one mess up because then he realizes, okay, "Okay, the next time I get to that spot, I'm going to shoot it. If it happens twice, then I'm completely out. So I will give him the one mess up for him to realize that's the spot I should have shot I, I think that's I think that's more than fair. I can't even disagree with you at this point. Like we said, we all as fans at this point, we want to see it so – I'm, I'm with you on that. The well, one mess up is good with me. So here's the question. The videos that we saw, essentially, you know, Simmons catches and shoots like in rhythm. Do you think that he pulls up three, or are they going to call plays specifically for him to do it? Uh, I think it's going to be one of those things, like, if you feel comfortable, do it. I don't think they're going to draw up a play just yet. Maybe one 
you know, at some point in the game when they're up a lot or maybe to kind of start things off, I don't know. But I can't see them drawing up a play where he comes off a pin-down screen and, you know, shoots the gap out to the corner and then somebody throws it over top of two defenders and he shoots from the three. Like, I, I can't see him being out there like Ray Allen. I, I kind of see ah. it looking like it did in practice where he catches, all right, y'all not out here, cool, I'm going to take it. Or if he rhythms in the one, cool. But I, I don't see him going out there and being like, this is our guy. Should be interesting tomorrow. They're back, 3.30, Sixers basketball against Memphis. You can hear the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. We talk NBA with D-Ray, Daryl Reynolds uh, from the 2016 Villanova Wildcats. He's one of the hosts of the Process Podcast, where they'll be talking more Sixers as this Sixers restart is about to happen. And he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. All right, D-Ray, we'll catch up soon, pal. All right, so let's talk to y'all next week. All right, uh, all right. So he goes over. You only got one guy to go on your side. That's fine, Keith Smith. That's the way I like it. Keith Smith, and went, Ke- you know what? Keith Smith, very smart individual. Yes. Not that the other people are not smart yes, individuals. So you said D Ray's not smart. No, 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 no. He's a very smart man. Villanova grad, so he is a very smart man. By the way, he sent me a picture the other day of his shoe sock combination. He went gray Nike socks with white shoes in or out. Not good. Not you don't like it. No. You're just anti any high sock, correct? No, I don't mind the length of the sock. The color contrast. You're going to go gray sock, white shoe. He also went Cleveland Cavalier NBA short. I always see him in those. Snagging all. I guess he's going and snagging all of his. Did he get a workout with them? A tryout or something? No, I think one of his buddies did, and that his buddy now plays for another team, so he snagged those, you know? I'd be doing the same, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'd do that now, just with hockey teams. Yeah, I would definitely snag them like if they were uh, my buddy played for the squad. You know what I mean? Well, I told him, look, I need Villanova. I want Villanova gear. He was like, I'll bring you some. The problem is, he said he got a pair of shorts for me. Now, let's be realistic. He's six eight. I'm six foot. That's what I tell people. Probably more like five eleven. But those shorts, gonna be way too long for me. Still taking them. Yeah, though. it's a big short. Still taking them. I have this huge pair of of West Virginia. Basketball shorts. They go down to, like, my ankles. You ever wear them? Just around the house. Right. That's what I'm going to be doing with these. I said, hey, how about a pair of sweats? My sweats will be covering my whole shoe. You won't even know I have white socks, white shoes on. Uh, The Washington Redskins are no longer. They have a new identity. We've got that. There's a new hockey team. They have a new identity. The headlines are coming up. Offseason. Sports Pass brought to you by SHM Financial. Quickly approaching or in retirement, don't get overwhelmed. Contact SHM Financial, 800 Money SHM, online, shmfinancial.com. So we got Juan Soto out tonight. He has uh, coronavirus. That's big news, man. Opening night. So what do you, uh, we had all these 60 stories in Major League Baseball that we never quite got through. So what are some of the baseball things that have you juiced up? Well, I mean, I just think baseball in general gets me juiced up. I'm watching Padres exhibition games on MLB Network. So for me, it's anything. I can dive into any team storyline, and for me, that's enough to get me juiced up, ready to rock. So there's not like individual stories or something in this particular season or with some of the offseason moves or something that happened in the offseason that you now you've been waiting you wanted to see in April, and you've had to wait till almost August, and now you're getting to see? Well, Garrett Cole's got to be one of them, right? I mean, he's definitely outstanding. 
Um, this is the ace that the Yankees have been waiting for, right? They looked at their team last year and said, well, one, if we can stay healthy, we should be able to compete, even though they were somewhat able to compete last year not healthy, which was absurd. And if they were able to get that pitcher. So that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of money. Playing in New York is not like playing in a different city. I know the Houston Astros have, or at least had a passionate fan base over the last couple of seasons. Playing in New York is different, right? The headlines, the the market when it comes to the New York Yankees, it's different. Is he going to be able to execute and be that number one ace that they wanted him to be? See, that's a big story. Okay, Cole going to the Yankees, does he kind of get them at the top of uh, the flagpole again? They, they haven't been like the prohibitive favorite in baseball for a while now. I mean, it's been a while, right, since they've kind of been the big-time favorite. But they are a big-time favorite. No doubt they are. They are stacked, unless you now look at the Dodgers. Not that the Mookie Betts signing changed anything for this season, but are the Dodgers good enough to be up there as, <laughs> look, they can totally take down that Yankees team? Um, Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, you know, they've been there. It's seeming like they've been there, though. Like, they, like the Yankees came kind of came out of nowhere last – I don't say out of nowhere. They're always, like, in the conversation, even if they really shouldn't be. But – the Dodgers have been – it's like how many more years do they have before they get caught? I think their division is mm, not that good. It and allows that, for them to be involved way more. Yes. Not that that – look, that's not taking anything away from the Dodgers. They're very deep and very talented, but I think their division's a little weak. I would have to agree with that. I, this signing by the Dodgers was such a big move. And do you think – that teams are going to be willing to spend this offseason? Or do you think that that signing was an outlier and they were just going to sign this guy because they made that big trade for him in the offseason? Um, it's funny because last night on my drive home, I was listening to Buster Only have this conversation, and he said he was talking to people around baseball, and he feels like they were negotiating this contract before COVID. That doesn't surprise me at all. That's you why it was such a big contract. So this goes to the JT Real Muto stuff. Does JT Realmuto say, look, this guy just got whatever, you know, how many, what did Betts' contract? 12 years, 365 mil, right. but that's so, just the extension. Like, I saw you do a video for the website saying that how it impacts Realmuto. I don't know that it does. Well, the way I see it is, JT Realmuto looks around and goes, he got what he wanted. Maybe it was a couple million less. He, I know they came out early and said he wanted 400 million, although we all kind of laughed at that anyway. The 365 million extension, that was in the ballpark. I think JT Realmuto looks at this and goes, I want $23 million or so. I want to be that highest paid catcher. Look what the Dodgers just did. So the way I see it impacting him, the whole situation is. One guy 30, one guy 27. Big difference. Oh, absolutely. I'm not, but he's going to now stand his ground because there was another player out there that got the money that he was trying to get before COVID-19 happened. So he's going to use that to support him and say, Look, it happened around the league. Other teams are willing to do it. I want to get paid this. So because he saw it happen throughout the league, I think that it's in play for him to stand his ground. I've been on the record. I think this is such a hard, difficult decision for the Phillies. I am not with the crowd that says, sign JT. You gave up what you gave up. You have to sign him. You need him here. Give him whatever he wants. I'm not with that. That, that that's, that's not the right way to yeah. handle this situation at all. Well, and then you got Bryce Harper, who's just not holding back still. I mean, he came out again yesterday and said, I took less so we can sign guys like this. That's not helping. 
He's been bothering me with how vocal. I know. But I will say that was the one point that he said where I'm reassessing all of it. And he's he's not wrong with that statement. I remember the day he signed. We were so pumped. We looked at the AAV and we all sat around saying, this is going to help us out when it comes to this luxury tax. We're going to be able to afford other players. I remember breaking that down the day it happened. So he is not wrong when he said that. The reason why they stretched it out is to get other great players and to not be over that luxury That's right. tax. I mean, he said, like, this is going to help us sign other guys. So I feel they're going to get it done. It's just going to take a bumpy path. Even if he hits free agency, that doesn't mean the Phillies are not in play. I think their mindset at this point is, let him hit free agency. Let's see what the market is. What if he gets out there and he gets offered 17 mil a year? And then the Phillies can jump up and go, I'll give you 18 for an extra year longer. And then they don't pay him 23 to 25. They get him at 18. Right. That's what I feel like is going to happen at the end of this. So these were the storylines, 60 in 60 games. So I'm just going to kind of casually go through them. When one of them tickles our fancies, you just yay or nay. So Mookie Betts in a Dodgers uniform. Of course that tickles my fancy. Okay. Garrett Cole with the Yankees. Take was my fancy. Yes, I, that, the Cole with the Yankees more than Betts. Now, I get Betts is a tremendous player, but the Dodgers won the division without him. True. So Did it's like, okay, you're already the best team. You added the best player. You're not impressing me. I was watching some highlights of him just to enjoy Mookie Betts a little bit, and I was looking up his stats and just looking at what he was doing in certain months. The dude hit 346 a couple years ago. 340. Six. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, it oh, really is. I'm not downplaying oh, how I good of a player he is. I know you're not. I'm just, just saying amazing. he went to a team that was the favorite anyway. They oh, would have been the I'm favorite with, with or without him. That is very true. But I was just talking about his pure talent, 346. Cole, to me, pitching in New York and, and them being, you know, not the favorite the last couple of years. Now they're the consensus favorite, I would imagine, them and the Astros, right? I would have to agree, yes. Yeah, so, They're uh, probably the slightly Astros. above the Astros now that Cole's over there and, and they don't have Cole, the Astros. That's very true. I wonder if people play into effect now when it comes to Vegas odds not having the cheating scandal. Do people look at the Astros differently? Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it because be they were cheating. Mike Trout with protection. Trout and Rendon. I'm interested in that. Very interested in that. Rendon doesn't get enough praise for how good he is. Hey, look, you got, you know, the Angels' number three hitters behind Trout – 265. That was 21st in the majors. Now they're getting a legit, I mean, fringe secondary uh, MVP type of player. Oh, he's tremendous, no doubt. I'm with you. I'm all in. This tickles my fancy, and I can't wait to see what this does for Mike Trout's numbers. That's, that's exactly what I'm – and by the way, Trout, yesterday or the day before, I don't remember, officially announced that he is going to play. He was still in that. limbo. I did see that. That's uh, big news. Nationals trying to repeat as world champs. That took a hit tonight. That doesn't tickle my fancy like the other ones, and I'll tell you why. Not that they are a bad baseball team at all. They were tremendous last year. That run was awesome. But it had that vibe of it was just their year. It was a magical year. It was a fun ride. I'm not taking anything away from them. But we talk about the Yankees, a team that can totally dominate. We talk about the Dodgers, a team that can totally dominate. I don't see the Nationals as that type of team, so... For them to repeat, I guess I don't expect it to really happen. So for me, I don't know if that is as high as the other they ones. They had the worst 50-game stretch for any, any 
team at any point last year, 19 and 31. It was like the St. Louis Blues when they won the Crazy. Stanley Cup, isn't it? It's just wild. How much will people hate the Astros? I know this is something that's up your crawl. Oh, I think a lot of people are going to hate them. You're seeing exhibition games. They're getting pounded. I know. I think it's interesting here. They lucked out, though, with no fans. They got off easy. They did. Unless these virtual fans are real. You know what? <laughs> George Springer is going to be a free agent next year. I'm just curious. You know, it happened with Garrett Cole, but it's a little different because he was a pitcher. He's not a hitter. George Springer next year going to a different team. What if he goes to a team that battled against the Astros during those runs. Are people going to look at George Springer differently inside the clubhouse if he goes to a different team? Well, that's something that's interesting because one of the storylines here is how will the Astros hit? And you wonder if these guys, Springer, Altuve, uh, Correa, if those guys are still the players that they were. I would anticipate they're not going to fall off all that much. Bregman? Well, they're still great baseball players, no doubt. Right, so you're telling me they're going to be a 101-win team instead of 106? Well, with the 60-game season in play, it will be different. Yeah, what are they going to do, 50 and 10? Is that the record? <laughs> what's the best record this year? I think you'll see – do you think you see 40 and 20? Yeah, I would think somebody's going to be 40 and 20. Well, do you think 45 and 15? Like, I think 45 and 15, I don't think you'll see that. Do you think you'll see 45 and 15? Uh, 45 and 15. So it's somewhere in between 40 and 45 wins is what you're... I think 45 is a little too high. So maybe 41? Maybe I'll go 41? Yeah, I could see 40. Yeah, I could see 40. Uh, yeah, 40, 43, I would say, would be, the, would be the top out. I want to see what the Vegas has as the most in MLB for the yeah, wins. Yeah, check that out because I think someone could go 43 would be my high. All right, coming up, we got the headlines on the way. We got a lot to do. Sports Bash still. Adam Kaplan is in the house today for today's football at four. Bob Wankel talking Phillies. They have set their 30 man roster. We have it posted now at 973ESPN.com. And Yaron Weitzman has a very interesting story about Ben Simmons and the Sixers. We'll talk to him tonight at 5 30. Listen to Sixers Basketball. All right, 3.37, time for the headlines. Bob Wankel talks some Phillies at 5, and we'll be talking to Yaron Weitzman from Bleacher Report on the Sixers. He's got a great article up about Ben Simmons and the Sixers, and he asked the simple question, can the Sixers figure out who they are? That's tonight at 5.30. That is a great question, and another great question is who's going to win this baseball game tonight, and there is no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. Take advantage of this Grand Slam offer. Place a pregame bet of at least $25 on your home team, and for every home run they hit, you'll get $5 worth of free bets. All new users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 with code 973. Don't forget about the other great odds and promotions from MMA to basketball. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, I'll use this as a headline. We were talking about the wins totals for the MLB. We kind of gave a range of 40 to 45 wins. It looks like we were a bit off. The Dodgers have the highest win total with 38, and the Yankees are right underneath with 37 and a half. Oh, I, I didn't think they were the Vegas. I said I thought that was the ceiling. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were going 
Well, no, I, I knew you were doing that, but I wanted to relate it to what mm-hmm. Vegas was actually giving as well. Okay. So this was actually done on July 1st, so things could have changed from them, of course. But 38, that number is kind of where Vegas sees the top teams. We said 41-ish. I think that's in play. Yeah, I thought the ceiling would be like 43. Like, that would be the best record I could see somebody having. 43 wins. That's an impressive win total. Do you think that could be the Phillies? Maybe not without Phil Gosselin, unless they add him tomorrow, which they should be. I'd see the Phillies can surprise people. I think their lineup's pretty good. The bullpen is the scariest thing. And the Phillies, for our first headline, actually put out their 30-man roster. Well, the 29-man roster, if you will. It does seem like Phil Gosselin will be added tomorrow, a lot of the reporters are saying. That bullpen, though, it just scares me. and it, it makes me question what they were thinking when it comes to letting some veteran bullpen guys go, Luriano being one of them. Uh, there's the thing about the Phillies' bullpen. They have a lot of unknown guys, young guys in that bullpen that I don't know how you can quantify what they can bring to the table. When you're looking at this bullpen and you're thinking to yourself, all right, so Wheeler, the Phillies dodged a little bit of a bullet, I guess. His wife had the baby, so he's going to be available this weekend. They set the rotation. Velasquez is going to be the number three, and Arietta's going to be the number four. But Austin Davis made the team. Uh, Dolis Guerrera made the team. I don't know that I've ever seen Guerrera throw a pitch before. Cole Irvin's another guy who made the team. You're telling me Cole Irvin was more impressive than what Liriano brought you? That's a move to me that... Does it scream luxury tax? It screams that, yeah, we were looking to save money because we're only playing 60 games. Trevor Kelly, Reggie McLean. Reggie McLean got rocked by the Baltimore Orioles on his first pitch in that exhibition game. Not that I'm saying that means he's going to stink totally, but he throws one pitch, or it might have been his second pitch, destroyed instantly. Boom. And Rosso, another guy. It's like... I don't know what to make of this bullpen. Some of these guys have never had any major league experience. I look at that name, Austin Davis, and it makes my blood boil. You cannot tell me that there were not better options than Austin Davis. Yeah, Liriano. He stinks. Austin Davis is a bad pitcher. I can't believe that his name is on this Yeah, their bullpen is very unassuring. And it scares me. It does. It scares me that if things go wrong with the start and you got to go with some of these guys. But keep in mind, is that three batter for each pitcher still in play for this season? Okay, so, you know, you look at these lists and how many pitchers are being carried by some teams and you think, oh, no, it's going to be a nightmare because they're going to be giving guys four innings and then backpacking starters. But if there is that rule in play as it gets towards the end, you'll dodge a bullet there because they have to stay in for three hitters, which changes the game completely. Yeah, I don't like that rule at all. Let's talk about that. I don't like that rule at all, and I know they're trying to cut down the time on the game. That's that's not helping. I hate this conversation of changing the speed of the game for certain things. I forget what game I was talking uh, or listening to. It might have been the Phillies. It might have been one on MLB Network. And they went to the replay booth. And the replay booth took maybe three minutes, right? And the commentator said, you know, this is the kind of stuff that people don't like. You got to try and speed the game up. If you like baseball, three minutes is not the difference of you enjoying that baseball game or not. Am I right, though? No, I agree with that. Three minutes. If you're going to watch three hours and 27 minutes of the game, you're going to watch three hours and 30? I agree. No, I I feel like they took out strategy to try to cut down on time, and the time that they're cutting out wasn't significant enough. I mean, if you're cutting 10 minutes of time off a game, 
Come on, you're telling me that 10 minutes is really changing whether you're watching your viewing habits? I don't I don't see that. I'll use your philosophy. If the replay booth is too long for you, then you just don't like baseball. You're not a baseball fan. If you're complaining about the time of any sporting event, you're not a fan. Exactly. You're not a fan of that sport. Right. Because I love the fact that you, baseball's right, long. If you're a fan of the sport... You are so encapsulated by the game and the competition that the length of time of the event doesn't matter. Now, there are games, I will say, but this is any sport. I've been to hockey games where it's one nothing after the first 10 minutes and then no other goals are scored, and the flow of the game I was at that there. game, by the way. It was Flyers <laughs> Tampa Lightning. Tampa Bay, right? Yep. On a Saturday, Saturday afternoon. afternoon. I remember that game. That's funny. But I will say, there are games like that. And in baseball, you know what? There are games that are four hours long, and it's just a boring game. I mean, that will happen sometimes throughout sports. But ultimately, the speed of the game with baseball should never be the reason why you're in and out. The, the fact that there's no time to the game is what makes it so damn beautiful. A lot of people, but that's part of the thing is, you know, it's like, if you think that the DH adds to a game, you don't really, I say this, you don't like baseball. Because baseball is about thinking. It's not the speed of the game. It's about being a part of the thought process. And if you don't appreciate that, you really don't like baseball. That's why I joke. The DH is for baseball, uh, people who don't really like baseball. It's baseball for people who don't really like baseball. They created a game for baseball fans who don't really like baseball. And if you're complaining about the time of a baseball game, then guess what? You don't really like baseball. Now, I will say, I've convinced myself for a couple of years now, hey, look, the DH is coming to the National See, League. See, I refuse to, to go down that road. I know you that do. That because I'm, I know it's coming, that I'm now going to talk myself into well, accepting and liking it. No, 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 no. Well, no. this is where I was going with this statement. I feel this year I will see it being played out, and it will bother me. So I think mental preparation for it to happen was in effect, but now that it is in effect and I'm going to see it this year, I bet you there's going to be so many moments where I'm sitting there fired up texting you and I want an answer back. No sleeping on the couch. I want an answer back because I'm going to fire back and be like, this is a situation where we should be thinking about what's going to happen next inning with Aaron Nola, but instead we know the DH is coming. Like, There's going to be times where the DH being in play is going to bother me this year. Sure. And I, mean, I expect and that's back be, from you. There's going to be times where the DH is going to help you. Because oh, no doubt, but I'm just talking from a fan standpoint. Like, I've convinced myself it's happening, but now that I am convinced and prepared for it, there will be times this season where I'm like, damn it, why are we doing this? I want that thinking man's game back into this. I want to be thinking about what Joe Girardi should be doing next inning. Like, I'm going to text you and be like, hey, should we pull Aaron Nola? Oh, wait, we don't have to. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I... I'm so disappointed about this DH thing. I mean, more than people, like, I'm not just kidding around. I hate the DH. And look, I joke that it's for face, But really, it's it, the, the DH is for fans who are just not baseball fans. Like, again, Yankees fans have all this, you know, championships, and they think they're the greatest that, fan base. You're watching a, you're not watching a baseball game. The DH is not baseball. I hate the fact that Yankees fans bring up 1950 championships. That's with everything. Yeah. But that's a joke. That's a sick joke. If the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I, I know the Super Bowl wasn't in play back then, but if they won it in 1863, you'd think I'm walking around here going, the Eagles have two titles. No. Who cares about what happened back then? 
I can't stand it. I've been saying that for years. I can't. I don't even stand care that they it. won in 2017. You know how far past I am that already. All right, look, I can do 2017. But seriously, like the Eagles won a Super Bowl in 2017. Doesn't change the way I watch the game today. That, no. that that Super Bowl is behind me. I think, like for example, Philly's winning the World Series. That's long gone. 2017, I still think is you can take pride in, but you're running out of time. Like you can't walk around bragging about a World Series championship anymore. It's been what 12 years. That's long gone. But Eagles, I think we got maybe two more years in play that you can bring it up. And then after that, I'm sorry. It's time for you to I, have to worry I, about the next one. As soon as the one. next season started, I was past that Super Bowl well, and on to the next I'm one. I'm past it. But in terms of it being coming up in conversation, like there's no way you could brag about the Phillies championship anymore. No. Not so at in all. 09, you were out on the 08 World Series? Pretty much. Yeah, I can't do it that that quickly. I give myself a couple years, but I still feel like my five-year window or so is a reasonable window to bring it up. After that, we're long gone. But look, there's a new NHL team that has a chance to win a title, or do they? The Seattle Kraken breaks the ice. 2021. New logo, of course. I like the logo. New jersey. I like the jersey and the colors. How about, did you see the production, the video they put out on their Twitter page to, to kind of tell everybody, hey, we're here. They got a nice, sick video that they put out there on Twitter. Seattle cracking. Yeah, I like uh, the presentation. The colors are nice. The color scheme's sweet. The logo's sweet. I like what they're bringing to the table. I've seen a lot of positive stuff on the logo and the color scheme today. Well, I think that... Much better than what uh, Washington came up with. Yes, the Washington football team, which I'm I'm actually not out on, to be honest with you. I'm really not out on it at no, all. No, I don't have a problem with that. Do you think it's in play that that sticks? The Washington football team. That's what they're going to be. 30 years down the road, they're just the Washington football team. That'd be unique. I kind of like it. Not bad. Yeah, I don't think it's bad at all. It might even be better than Burgundy. Yeah, the Burgundy? Yeah, it might be better than Burgundy. What are you going to ask me? Is that because why? Um... No, if that's like that was their moniker, like that their, their nickname was the football team. I actually kind of am intrigued yeah, it's by like that. The New York Football Giants. Exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking of. But I want to go back to the Seattle team because when the NHL did this a couple years ago, the Vegas Golden Knights came into play. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals that year because they were able to pick some players off of some rosters and they were able to build a team that wasn't straight crap right off the start. Yeah, which I didn't like. Everybody thought that was a good story. I thought it made your league look Bush League. Now, why? You got all these teams that have been trying to build a Stanley Cup roster. And here's a team that was just created and outfoxed, y'all. Every single team had an opportunity to keep all of those players that were picked. Those teams had a chance. If they wanted to keep those players, they were able to. They said, now, nah, you know what? I don't want them. You can have them. So they're all picking from... Like, the teams they're on now all have a chance to keep those guys. I get it. So, what I like about it is, and and I'll say this, is it a little fluky? Yes. But I think what you got was, you got something very similar to what happened with the St. Louis Blues and the the Nationals. But it goes back to my point is, you made all your other teams look ridiculous. Like, they gave players to this team that they didn't want. So, that you essentially have... All these teams in your league that don't know what they're doing, they gave this team all these players? Well, no, they stepped up. I mean, they stepped up and they really played well. It's like the Nationals were, what, 31-50-something and 50 something or whatever their record was, and they stepped up and they changed the way they played and they won a World Series. The St. Louis Blues, they were in last place. Let me ask you this, though. The alternative is, how do you fill out this team? 
how would you possibly fill out a team that wouldn't win six games of 82 any other way? Like, what would you do? Pick from all free agents? I mean, you got to fill out the roster somehow. I don't, well, I mean, I don't there know the have, answer. Yeah, but there have been expansion drafts in every sport. Never has there been a team that's even been a playoff team. But I think that shows you how awesome that run was. Like, the St. Louis Blues went from the worst-placed team to a championship in the same year. Same with the Nationals. Those are awesome stories. This is just one of those awesome stories that happened to be it's a an cool expansion story. But I also, again, it's like, it go, okay, so, like, there, that whole Cubs thing. It was a cool story that the lovable losers finally won the World Series. But I said it was actually bad for baseball because that's a big story that is no longer a story. The lovable losers are no longer the lovable losers. They won a World Series. That was a built-in storyline in your sport every year. You had the curse of the Bambino and the curse of the Billy Goat. They're both gone. And now those charming stories are kind of out the window for baseball. I agree with that, but if... If you see Seattle struggle off the bat and not make the playoffs for six, seven, eight years off the jump, would that make you appreciate what Vegas did even more? Because that shows it's not just a league thing. That was that special of a run. Like, that run was so special. It's not like... Yeah, but here they are. They're good again. They're falling falling off because it's hard to duplicate what they did that first year. They're just... They're above average, but they're not great by any means. They're just... You know, they're a tough team to play against. But now they have a little bit they're more. They're first place. Yeah, but that division is like the NFC True, East but yeah, they're of still, last year. But here's a team that's their first year they go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and their second year they're in first place. Yeah, but how many points are that? They're they're in first place. Eighty-six. The divisions. Yeah, that wouldn't even make the would that even make the playoffs where the Flyers are right now? Yeah, I mean they'd be in third place in the Metro. They'd be in third place in the Metro. Yep. They wouldn't even be in that wild card slot yet. They would be tied with Pittsburgh, and okay. they would be in third place in the Atlantic. Okay. Um. So it's a no, cool story. Yeah. I I acknowledge that part of it. But I think it makes the league kind of look bad that this new team came in and is now better than every other team. But doesn't in that show you, I think, like a lot of people knock the NHL because they say any team can win. And they feel like because any team can win, those 82 games really mean absolutely nothing. nothing. But why is it bad to have a league where you have a shot? No matter it's what. It's not. It just, again, I'm, I'm just going back to you had an expansion team with a bunch of cast-offs and nobodies for the most part, and they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. They beat everybody who had been built and had been building. And they Now, it's a great individual year story, but I'm just saying big picture. It's kind of like, what kind of league do you have if a new team that wasn't even formed just beat every team in your league? The problem I have with it is this. is I think if you did this... 10,000 times. And the problem is you can't do it 10,000 times. If you did this 10,000 times, what happened would happen one time. Well, And the reason that it happened the one time That's kind of not fair to say, though, is because here they are, they're back again and they're in first place. Well, it's because they have the same, they don't lose that roster. So once they pick that roster, that roster is who they have for multiple years. So they have that. It's not like you have to lose your team every season. Let's see what Seattle does. If if Seattle goes to the championship, then I'll sit here and go, I was wrong. I mean, I guess this is, there's something wrong here, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I think it was so rare, it just happened to happen, and now people look at it as, oh, you know, the NHL, how is, how is this possible? Yeah, like, I mean... They had no stars at all. I mean, they did get they did get flurry because the Penguins had to choose between a 20-year-old stud goalie or this veteran goalie who's really good, and they had to choose between the two, and they went with the young guy who ended up not being as good as they expected. Well, I mean, and to be fair, the NHL did kind of weigh the 
draft to try to help them get good, which was kind of half-ass. Like, that doesn't – like, when the Charlotte Hornets came into the league, they were pitiful. I mean, and look, they – But do you want that, though? Like, I'm not saying you want them to go to the championship, but is the NHL looking for a way for the Charlotte Hornets not to happen? Because you're talking about a city – like, Vegas fan base-wise, what that has done for the city is tremendous. If you have a Charlotte Hornets-type team in Seattle and seven people show up because they win three hockey games, like, you you know, you want them to be involved, at least, I'd say, in the first couple of years. How do – like – you're essentially saying, though, that we want this team to be good because we want a good fan base. Not good, but they can't be two-win type team. Like you, you can't have a last place team their first run in. Yeah, you, you gotta at least give them something to work with. I feel. I mean, that's what happens. You, ha- you have nothing. What you can't expect to have nothing, and then all of a sudden, be a something. I'm, I'm not saying something, but look, all those players Vegas got for most part. They weren't good. It wasn't like that they were studs everywhere oh, they I were. Oh, I know. It was weird. Exactly. So, I think it just happened to happen. I don't think it was anything planned. Like, it just, it that was the beauty of sports. I talk about the beauty of sports. That was one of those moments where it was the beauty of sports giving us some awesome stories. All right, coming up, football at four. Adam Kaplan's in the house. we got plenty to dive into. We'll get his thoughts on the rookie roles and more.